Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 22, Graduation Day, Part 2. I watched this episode three times, okay? I bawled each time, and the third time I cried the hardest. Like, it was getting harder for me to watch by the third watch. And, oh, I got so many feelings about this episode. I totally get it. I understand. Um, I just want us to pause for a moment and acknowledge and just, you know, we made it to the end of season three. Prophecy Girls is one year old. We're having an Instagram live tomorrow to celebrate that. Today, we're recording this on the 25th anniversary of Buffy's premiere. And we have been going hard. We've been releasing episodes consistently since we started a year ago. We have recapped the first three seasons of this show. So Mm -hmm. big pat on the back to us. Big thank you to all of our listeners, all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, every single person who interacts with us on TikTok, on Instagram, on our Discord, like, this has been a huge, like, journey for us. It's and been amazing. we are really enjoying it. I don't know, but I don't, sorry, I shouldn't speak for you, Steph. You might be hating every step of this. <laughs> whoa, whoa, but... whoa. <laughs> Let's not be too hasty. <laughs> like, like, we are having fun here. And I, I feel like that <laughs> comes across in our discussions. And that's why people are enjoying listening to us. But in case it's not clear to you, listeners... We're having fun, not just with our recordings here, but with, you know, your interaction with us and yeah. the praise, the feedback you give us, the call-ins once in a while. We appreciate that growth. We love your heart, your hot stakes. So thank you for a fabulous year. We hope that you enjoy this recap. And uh, then we're going to do, you know, our usual wrap-up, a little bit of faith on trial, and then we're <laughs> into the college years wow i know we're we're doing what oz does at the end of this episode where we t- we're yeah. taking a moment we survived I, well I, I just wanted to do that because it has gone by fast i'm like has it has it been a year already crazy you know? Like, i know and it's it, crazy. i know it's because oh season one was shorter so it didn't take as long to get through but like we've done so many recaps at this point over 50 yeah so i just i don't want us to lose the significance of this moment. This is not just another episode. This is a big milestone for us and the show for Buffy. Yeah. <sighs> thank you to everybody out there. And thank you, Kara. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. This podcast is everything. It's like, I feel like it's like consumed my life this past year, which means that you, Kara, have consumed my life for the last year. And You've I love it. You probably spent more time with me than your husband at some point. <laughs> well, as it should be. <laughs> um, this episode hit me so hard, not only because it's the end of three seasons of Buffy and we're going into the next phase of the show, but because it's been one year for us. And we are also leaving the high school years of the show. I can't believe that we've been having so much fun that we didn't even take a a moment to stop and be like, we're almost done. 
the most significant part of the series for a lot of people and for us. And it's just, it's just a big deal. It's just, ooh, this episode, our podcast, I'm so happy. So are you ready to do this? I was born ready for this. Oh, I was born ready to graduate. All right. Should we do a quick recap of what happened last episode? Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Faith poisoned Angel with <gasps> some kind of arrow. Um, and as a result, he's dying. He's getting all sweaty. Uh, we get to see him topless. So, mm. I mean, I guess that's a, a good way for him to die for us at least. <laughs> But Buffy's not happy about it. (laughs) Turns out, though, there is a cure. That's the upside. The downside is the cure is drinking the blood of a slayer. Um, That's the downside. The upside is there is an extra slayer available, and she happens to be evil. So Buffy goes after Faith. There's a huge fight scene, and it ends with Buffy stabbing Faith with a knife that the mayor gave to Faith a few episodes ago. Um, Faith seems to be mortally wounded and falls backwards off the roof of their apartment building so that she can deny Buffy her prize and she lands in the back of a truck that carries her away and we're left with Buffy staring down realizing that Angel's fate is now sealed and he will die because she could not come through for him. Also, it's the night before graduation when the mayor is going to turn into a demon and kill everybody at Sunnydale High. So there's that, too. There's also that. But more importantly, Faith is possibly dead. Buffy's devastated. That's where we open up on this episode. Uh, Buffy's looking down at Faith driving away in shock. And I was like, Buffy, you had one job. (laughs) And that was to get Faith's body. And you're just letting it drive away. So Buffy's in shock. She leaves the knife, the bloody knife, behind and climbs down the fire escape just you as the mayor arrives. You always want to leave your murder weapon behind at the scene of the crime. Yeah, at least wipe your fingerprints off it. My God. So the mayor arrives just as Buffy leaves, and he's coming to the window, and a vampire's behind him and is like, nobody here, sir. And the mayor is like, no, no. She'd take the fight outside. Like, you can tell he's very worried. He's like, oh, my God, like, broken window. Like, where's Faith? He says... My faith doesn't like to be cooped up. We have to find them, put everyone on it, do it now. And the vampire starts to say, but sir, the ascension. And the mayor's like, find them. He like freaks out. He just yells. And we don't see him lose control like this, right? The vampire's like, oh shit, okay. I didn't even yell at me. So he leaves. And, and then the mayor starts pacing back and forth. He's like, faith's a good girl. She can take anything that they throw at her. She's going to be all right. She's all right. She's all right. Like he's telling himself he's talking himself down and then we cut to credits so we're in the library xander's bringing giles a cup of coffee and they're both saying like have you heard from buffy no they're worried about her giles hates the coffee he's drinking it he said it's horrible and xander's like well why aren't you drinking tea and giles says tea is soothing i wish to be tense (laughs) honestly like once again this episode has so many good lines yeah, that is one of them. Like, there's so many good lines in here, but that one jumped out at me because it's it's a very British kind of comment. Mm-hmm. It's also hella true. Like when I I drink coffee every morning at work, I do not enjoy coffee. I don't like the taste. I just like what it does to my body, and it, <laughs> it gives me jittery, tense feelings, and that's what I need when I'm at work. So <laughs> you're right on, Giles. Um, Xander says, "Okay, but you're destroying a perfectly good cultural stereotype here." <laughs> So you're right, Car. There are a lot of really good lines in here. One of my favorite lines in the entire series comes later this episode. So they're doing research 
on the demon. Remember in the last episode, they found a drawing or picture of a giant demon. They're looking up its weaknesses and powers. And Cordelia comes in and she demands an explanation about Wesley. And Xander says, inbreeding? <laughs> Speaking of cultural stereotypes. Jeez. And Xander's, and Cordelia says, um, she was on the phone with him. He's upset. There was a fight and he's leaving the country. And Giles is like, should, uh, should I uh, say remorse? And Cordelia says, just tell me what's going on. And Giles says Buffy quit the council. She was not to be, she will not be working with Wesley from now on. She no longer needs a watcher. And Cordelia is saying, well, does he have to leave the country? You got fired and you still hang around like a big loser. Why can't he? Xander says, you know, Cordelia, we're trying to stop a massacre here. Want to give us a hand? And Cordelia just like relents. And she goes, she's like, yeah, I'll help. So she goes and sits down next to them. And she says, this is such a Buffy thing to do. She's always thinking of herself. And I, I, I will say, right, like I cherished every scene with Cordelia in this episode. Because, of course, can we spoil this? Do they know? Do they do they know what we know they we don't know they know? <laughs> yeah, just say it. Just say it. We should okay. we should acknowledge this right now. I cherished every scene with Cordelia in this episode because this is Cordelia's last episode as a series regular. And I think it's the last time she shows up on Buffy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. She does end up going to Angel. So if we end up reviewing Angel on the podcast, we will come back to Cordelia. And I'm going to be honest, like that is a significant temptation for me, right? Like in terms of reasons to review Angel, getting to see Cordelia and getting to see her growth on that series I really want to do that. So we'll we'll oh. see where where we are at, but yeah. I'm going to miss Cordelia. We're saying goodbye to her here and she has some great moments in this episode, so I'm really grateful for that. But yeah. it is the end of an era and the series is never the same again. Yeah, that's another thing that contributed to my tears in this episode cuz I'm like, god, we're losing so much here. I mean, we gain a lot moving on, but our listeners know that we adore Cordelia and Let's drink it in this episode, you guys, because she's going off to bigger and better things, question mark? I guess we'll find out. So we end up uh, back at Angel's mansion. Yay! (laughs) And um, Angel's very sweaty with no shirt. Uh, He's breathing really hard with his lack of breath. Mm. And Mm. you can see, and and this is kind of like a, a, a staple of TV poisoning right as you see like the wound around the arrow is all puckered and like the veins are in sharp relief and stuff yeah. and i have no idea if that's true life uh if anybody's ever been poisoned by an arrow wound please let me know if that's actually what happens and but... send us photos no please don't send us photos <laughs> send me personally photos. so willow's there <laughs> and she's i guess it's her turn to look after angel i guess they've all been taking turns which is really nice of them Yes. And she's just kind of like sponging him off and kind of taking care of him. And he opens his eyes. And the first thing out of his, first thing out of his mouth is, have you been watching over me? <laughs> and you can tell he's really weak. And he grabs Willow's hand uh, and he kisses it. He starts rubbing her. Ooh, lucky bitch. <laughs> uh, and Willow's got like her hand on his chest, right? Mm. And I'm just kind of like, this is really intimate for Willow. I'm like, is Willow just kind of like... This is my chance. Yeah. Hey, better late than never. You know what I'm saying? Like, do it now. So she says, oh, well, we've been taking turns. Uh, So, yes, hypothesis confirmed. Um, And Angel says, I thought I'd never see you again. I can't leave you. I was wrong. I need you. So he's delirious. You know, he thinks Willow's Buffy. Um, Willow 
corrects him and he's like willow and she's like yeah willow it's me <laughs> and um so then he asks of course where buffy is willow's like she'll be back soon angel closes his eyes so willow leaves the room and oz is outside the room and she's just like he's delirious he, he thought i was buffy and oz is like you too huh <laughs> which means there's a whole scene and i'm really sad that we didn't get to see this scene where yeah. oz is mopping up angel's sweat and angel's like buffy <laughs> and oz is like oz oz would be so sympathetic though you know what i mean he would let him he would hold his hand and he would be like yes it's me <laughs> but i think i want to back it up a bit because there are a lot of people who say in our comments on tiktok and instagram and whatnot that like they're annoyed that angel would just leave buffy they think angel's quite cold-hearted for breaking up with buffy and then leaving town because buffy loved him so much because it's so much better to break up with somebody and then stick around so that you can pine after each other and make things awkward right right i guess that's what they're trying to say but what i'm trying to say is that angel says here in his delirium i can't leave you i was wrong i need you so i think just in him saying that it just shows what his actual thought process is. And we already talked about this in the prom. We know why he did what he did. It was for good intentions and it's for the best. But for those haters out there who don't see it that way, he's saying right here and they're clarifying that like deep down, he like we all know he loves her. He wants to be with her. But now that he's dying, you know, he just he's saying what's on his mind. You know, I'm sorry I did that. I was wrong. And that's that's because he thinks he's dying. So I just wanted to call that out because... These people in their comments sometimes, I just, all these Balthazors in their big bathtubs <laughs> commenting on our, on our posts. Willow and Oz are both worried about Angel, and it's not looking good for him, really. And Willow's saying she feels so guilty, and Oz is like, well, why? And she's like, things are so terrible, and everything's coming apart, and I'm, in some ways, it's the best night of my life. And Oz is like, the best? And she says, the best and they make out and i was like this is inappropriate for them to be making out like this <laughs> while the angel's dying next to them however do it do it you two because i've been waiting for you to get this passion for willow to act like she gives a shit about oz all season so if we're only gonna get it in the last two episodes of the season fine live it up well and they might also die the next day right like we have to remember that there is this existential threat that's hanging over all of the Scoobies. Yes, Angel is dying at the moment, but that doesn't mean that life is going to go on for all of them. He's just dying a little bit faster than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And more painfully, we assume. <laughs> so uh, Buffy comes in as they make out. They act like they didn't, weren't making out, but we know you were. Oz is asking if she found Faith, and Buffy nods. Buffy is still in shock. She's like, I can't believe I just murdered somebody and for nothing. Buffy says, how is Angel? And Oz says, he's in and out but he thinks the pain is less. And we know that that's never a good sign. So Buffy says that she'd like to be alone with him. Willow and Oz peace out. Buffy goes to Angel's bedside and he's like, Buffy, it's you. <laughs> he just keeps guessing. He's like, I've got to be right eventually. Yeah, one, one of these times it'll be her. And Buffy says, yeah, it's me. And Angel says, I didn't want to go without seeing you. And Buffy's like, Angel, I can cure you. And Angel says, hey, it's okay. I'm ready. And we know since Angel season one that he's he's ready to die. He kind of wants to die, to be honest. Um, but here he's like, I'm ready. Like, let me go. And Buffy says, listen to me, sit up. And he forces him to sit up and we see more of his chest, but he's in pain. And she says, you're going to live. You have to live. Drink. 
And Angel just stares at her and she takes off her coat because she means it. And she says, drink me. Ooh. And Angel shakes his head. No, I don't know if I can summarize this without getting. You want me to do it? I think you should do it. I think I need to like listen and then just just interject my feelings as you go through. <laughs> so Buffy takes off her coat <laughs> and she's wearing a little like black tank top underneath. So you can see a lot of skin around the neck area. She actually like flips her hair back and she's like, drink me. (laughs) Oh my, oh my, oh my. And Angel refuses and Buffy says, it's the only way. It'll save you. So Angel gets out of bed and uh, he says, it'll kill you. So we've got this whole like, they're both like trying to like sacrifice themselves for the other kind of thing going on. It's it's romantic is what we're supposed to think. I'll take it's your romantic. word for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Buffy is adamant. She's like, maybe not. Not if you don't take it all. And Angel says, you can't ask me to do this. And Buffy says, I won't let you die. I can't. Angel, the blood of the Slayer is the only cure. So of course, Angel says, faith. and Buffy says I tried I killed her and Angel says then it's over and he stumbles out of his room into the large room with the fireplace and Buffy grabs him and she says it is never over I won't let you die drink it ain't over and Angel says please so Buffy (laughs) has just decided that she's not going to argue with him anymore she just punches him like straight up punches him in the face she does this a couple of times She's a punchy person. We've talked about this before. Sometimes when Buffy gets frustrated or things aren't going her way, she starts punching. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't think we want to make light of like domestic abuse and violence against against partners and stuff. Mm -hmm. But she's clearly doing this to like get the vampire in Angel to come out because, of course, he's weak. Right. And we know from past experience that when vampires, especially, you know, even Angel with a soul, when they're weaker, they have trouble controlling their demonic side, right? So Angel vamps out and, um, you know, Buffy exposes herself again, her neck. <laughs> yep. She grabs the back of his head <sighs> and uh, pull, like he, she, she pulls him into her neck. She's like, drink me, right? And Oh, it's hot. It's hot. I love in these kind of scenes when like the back of the head is pulled. Ooh, ooh. Okay. He bites in. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know how to describe this scene stuff. Like, Let me do it. Let me take over. I just, it was the conversation leading up to it. I would, I would interject too much of my thoughts. But here I can, I can talk to you about what happens now. He bites into her and he, he like pulls her. Like we get a shot of his hands, like pulling her in and he starts to drink. And as he's drinking, blood is pouring from his mouth and Buffy's face is convulsing with ecstasy like she is given sex face and they both fall to the ground in slow motion because they're so in the moment i guess angels on top of her shirtless and this is basically a sex scene like he's drinking from her but they're both moaning like they're having sex and buffy grabs this like water pitcher (laughs) i don't know why that's there Um, but she grabs it and she crushes it with her hands because the feelings are so intense and angel's like moaning it's getting louder buffy like kicks this wooden table by their legs and like wow like so i was watching this i forgot that it was this intense but when I was taken in, I was like, Buffy is literally orgasming to death. <laughs> like, that's what it looks like at the moment. And I was like, shit, this is hot. And I don't know why the censors allowed it. <laughs> Depending on which way you're looking at the scene, it is incredibly racy. And 
Buffy starts to lose consciousness as Angel pulls away. And of course, his vamp face goes away and he's kind of like, Buffy? But she's just lying still. So we don't know if she killed her or not. But this scene reminds me of why people find vampires hot. And I think if someone were to say like, you know, vampire fiction is hot, I would think of this scene. And I think the show True Blood actually does this really well too, where biting and drinking of the human's blood during sex is a big part of sex for with vampires on that show. Yeah, so we actually, we have two hot stakes for this episode that are both about this scene. So we, we might as well just cover those now. So the Let's first one is from Audrey, who says, can't wait to hear what Steph thinks about the scene where Angel feeds on Buffy. <laughs> um, something that the first evil said would happen. And Audrey concludes, so fucking hot. So yeah, Audrey. Steph agrees with you, Audrey. I'm right there with you. It was hot. And then we have Becky commenting. Naturally, it is very obviously paralleled to a sex scene with the imagery of them laying down and Angel on top of Buffy, etc. It starts out and Buffy seems to be getting some kind of pleasure from it. Uh, she's moaning and Becky says she's unsure if this is from pain or pleasure or both. So kind of what you were saying there, Steph. Mm -hmm. Becky continues saying, then it starts to become darker when Buffy cannot take any more, but Angel won't stop. So to me, this scene feels like a commentary on sexual assault. Uh, there was consent initially, but Angel takes things too far. I was wondering what your take on this scene was. It's a confusing scene for me because I have a bit of a fetish for vamps. So initially I am into it. But it also upsets me as the scene progresses. Mm. So, yeah, I, I do think we need to, like, dig into this scene because I don't find it hot at all. But I, I do understand what you're saying, Steph. Like, I understand how people can find it hot. So I'm not here to, like, kink shame anybody who's like, this is a super hot scene. That's valid. That, that's an interesting point I think that Becky brings up because I think it is worth remembering that consent needs to be ongoing, right? So, yes, Buffy absolutely gave her consent at the beginning of this process she said drink me she basically bullied angel into doing it mm -hmm. so buffy was consenting but it is valid to ask the question is that consent ongoing right because you are allowed to withdraw your consent at any point during sexual activities or any activity i'm not sure i would go as far as to say like it gets into like the assault terror. I mean, it, it is an assault. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I, I guess it's what I'm trying sure. to say, right, is it's like, you know, Buffy's consenting to this and she can withdraw her consent. I, th I think we get to the point where she's like passing out before she can do that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of what makes me uncomfortable about the, about the scene. But honestly, I just find it a little gross. <laughs> like the mm -hmm. whole like the blood coming down her neck, he's drinking from her. I just don't find that I just don't find that appealing, let alone hot. I'm just like, this is this is gross. The idea of drinking somebody else's blood is gross. I get that mm -hmm. biting can be uh, a sensual activity for lovers during sex. I understand. But this is just like a next level thing. And yeah, I don't I don't want to judge it in the sense of like the, the decision to include it in the episode. And I, I don't want to come down too harshly on people who think it's hot, but mm -hmm. I just want to register that I had the exact opposite reaction, which is I found it fairly repulsive. That's an interesting take. And I, I agree with you. I think both ways of looking at the scene are valid. I don't think I would go as far as to say that this is sexual assault and that Buffy stopped consenting. I just think that Buffy is 
so eager to save Angel's life that she didn't think this plan all the way through. I mean, let's also remember that, Buffy, you have an ascension tomorrow. We're going to need the Slayer for this fight. But you threw that aside to do this. Right, so thank you for bringing it back to that because I Mm -hmm. absolutely wanted to talk about that as well, which is there's so many parallels in this finale to what's happened in the season two finale, right? Because in both episodes, Buffy faced the prospect of losing Angel. And last season she was going to lose him because she was she was the one who had to kill him, right, in order to save the world. Mm-hmm. This season, she's going to lose him if she can't save him. Mm-hmm. Um, with the additional kind of extra tragedy that even if she manages to save him now, she's still going to lose him because he's leaving, right? Yeah. And I think you make a really good point, which is this is a reversal of the Buffy we saw in season two. The Buffy we saw in season two was willing to kill her boyfriend if it meant saving the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though he got his soul back at the very end when she stabbed him, she still went through with it. She had to because the portal portal was already open and sucking everything into hell. In this episode, you just pointed out, right, we need Buffy to stop the Ascension. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to die. And she's not thinking straight. She's not thinking about that. All she's thinking about is saving Angel, even if it kills her in the process. And I mean, we could judge her for that if we wanted to. I mean, I think I understand where that's coming from, where her emotions mm-hmm. are from. But mm-hmm. I just I wanted to point out that contrast between Buffy at the end of season two, Buffy at the end of season three. Because yes, she has matured over this season. But because she's in such an emotionally volatile and vulnerable place, given that Angel has just broken up with her and now he's dying, it's clear she's not making the best choices right now. I agree with that. And I think it's also important to consider if you're going to compare last season finale to this one, the journey that Angel and Buffy have taken together this season. Angel was connected to her psychologically while he was in hell. Then he came back from hell. They don't know why. They still don't really know why. Buffy and Angel have built a very mature understanding of respect for each other. They had a sexless relationship for a majority of the season. It was up and down. They broke up and got back together and broke up and got back together. And now they're broken up. But they reached this really beautiful, mature, trusting relationship somewhere in this season. And I think it makes a lot more sense that Buffy would sacrifice herself for Angel now than it would in season two because they had a couple of hot months making out. Then he was evil. So she was pushed to to be ready to kill him. Where here, she's been pushed to love him. And she wanted to move in with him. Like, she was ready to keep moving forward with this relationship that did not cross the physical boundaries. But emotionally, they were a lot more mature than we've ever seen them before. So her sacrificing herself for the man she loves, as, you know, we don't think it's a good idea because there's a much bigger picture of an apocalypse happening here. But it does make sense for where Buffy is emotionally in her love for Angel. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was trying to say. So thank you for, for phrasing it that way. Steph. Oh, I'm just saying, like, that's a really good point. Um, you know, we can we can judge her as the hero, as the protagonist for making what we think is probably not the smartest choice. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a it's consistent with her characterization right now. Yeah, and that's another reason why I find this scene, this sex scene... This... I just wish it had actually been a sex scene. Why couldn't the cure be having sex with the soul? <laughs> I mean, this is, but this is what I mean. I think this is a metaphor for it is kind of like they're having sex. Because yes, they I know... get that. I just you... don't like it. And I'm saying this <laughs> as somebody who also doesn't want to watch a sex scene. I'd rather watch a sex scene. <laughs> but no, 
but I think like again, Angel drinking from her. This is like the culmination of all that pent up sexual energy they've yes, had all I season. Understand. But I think it's just so funny that it comes out in this violent way where at the end of it, Buffy, she has a look on her face as she before she passes out where I think that's where people are being like, is she no longer consenting? Because she looks worried that she's about to pass out. So I think I'm like wondering, is this another way to punish Buffy? She went too far with this guy that she shouldn't be with. You know, she had, quote, sex with him or she let him drink from her. <laughs> drink me, drink me. And now she's getting punished for it again, right? Like she went too far, she, she made the wrong choice, and now she might die. And I just think that's another interesting parallel to what we've seen happen to Buffy in the past when it comes to going too far with Angel, whether it's fake sex or real sex. You know what I mean? So, all right, well, hey, there's two perspectives on this scene. We got someone who's like, more please, and someone who's like, never again. <laughs> Um, but like, God, what's happening to Buffy? No. So Angel's carrying Buffy into the emergency room. And you know, we love when they go to the hospital. The chatty doctor is nowhere to be found. But Angel's screaming, you know, I need help. She's lost a lot of blood. She needs blood. And the the worst doctor in the world, the truly the worst doctor, who I think we got his name later. I think his name is um, Dr. Powell. <laughs> he... But he, like, basically takes over. And I'll add that these are two, like, Asian doctors, right? Okay. Well, and also, this is just... I have to comment. on This is a very common TV trope. Mm-hmm. But in real life, when does bursting into the emergency room screaming, I need help, cause <laughs> nurses and doctors to come running to help you right away and take you, you seriously? And, <laughs> you know? Like, in any emergency room in the United States or in Canada, I'm pretty sure the reaction would be, Sit your ass down. Take um, a number. What's your name? Yeah, take your number. What's your name? In the U.S., it'd be, do you have health insurance, right? Here in Ontario, it would be, what's your health card number? Like, you know, there would be a whole triage process. It's not just like you run into the ER and they're like, okay, you know, we're going to we're gonna take care of this right away. It's like, these people are so helpful. But I do have an explanation for this. I mm. feel like Sunnydale Hospital's trauma unit must be incredibly fully staffed because of all the vampire attacks and monster attacks and everything Surely. that happens on the Hellmouth. Yeah. You know, and this it's the same with near the end of the episode where all the first responders are on scene for what goes down at graduation. There, there's just, there must be a lot of people who are hurt in, in that battle. They must have a lot of personnel on that scene. And so I, I, I want to shout out the Sunnydale EMS and <laughs> hospital system because it's, it's clearly very robust to handle all of the harm that comes from the Hellmouth. So in addition to the chatty doctor from season one, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you say that this doctor is not doing a great job. And I understand. But he, he did show up, right? He, did, he, wasn't just be like, he wasn't just being like, oh, I'm on my break. You know, like he's there. <laughs> he like right away. He's like, yes, we will help. So yeah. Hey, I, I'm all there for him being present. I'm not there for the fact that he's not helping at all. The nurse is like poking around at Buffy and the doctor's just standing there grilling Angel. It's like, she needs blood, yo. And he's just like, where did you find her? Was she conscious? Are you sure? Yeah, like <laughs> he has to ask those questions. You don't just trust the guy who's carrying a girl into the hospital. Like maybe Angel beat her up. Maybe he assaulted her. Maybe they <laughs> yeah. had fake blood sucking sex. You okay, don't know until you ask save, those questions. Save the 
life first, then ask these questions because then he's just like, oh, did she get bit? She needs rabies shots. And like, ooh, like then, then Angel gets annoyed with him as I would and like rips the door handle off the door. He's like, help her. And the, the doctor puts his hands on his hips and he's like, have you two been doing drugs? <laughs> and he's like, if you want her to live, you're going to have to be straight with me. Like, you drug user, you. And Angel's like, she's clean. And the doctor's like, wait outside. Let us work. And I was like, yeah, get to work. <laughs> like, nothing's happening. So Angel goes to phone Giles. And the camera pans past him. It follows him into the hallway. It pans past him into the next room where... Faith is there. She's unconscious. She's lying in a hospital bed. She's beaten up as fuck. And a better doctor, <laughs> more a better ER doctor, is talking to the mayor. The mayor standing over Faith's bed looking traumatized. And he's saying that the damage to the kidneys is repairable. And he reset her bones. But the head trauma is simply too severe. It's a wonder she's alive at all with all that blood loss. I'm sorry, sir, but there's almost no chance that she's ever going to regain consciousness. And the mayor takes us in. He stares at Faith. He caresses her face very lovingly. And it's actually, it's actually quite sad when he's like, it's your day. Like, aw. Even though he's an evil piece of shit, I'm just like, aw. The nurse from Buffy's room comes over and tells the doctor, we have another young girl with severe blood loss. Dr. Powell wants you to prep to assist on an anticubitical cut down. I don't know what he said. On something... Hospital yeah, is this procedure, an episode like of house, like <laughs> I know. I was like, what? What is? She? <laughs> like I thought she just needed blood. I don't know what you need to prep her for. So the mayor hears this and he gets this look on his face, like, oh hell no. So he walks around the corner because he knows what who it's going to be, and it's Buffy. Once again, she's like in a room to herself. Like, what kind of ER is this? And no one's helping her. She's just lying there alone. So the mayor covers Buffy's mouth with his hand and he starts to suffocate her. Oh my God, she's like unconscious, but she starts to thrash around. And he's like really unhinged. He's going to murder this girl in front of everybody. And in the last episode, Kara, you and I were talking about how the mayor could give a shit about being the mayor anymore. Because clearly he doesn't care about his rep. He's going to ascend in like 10 hours. He's checking out of Sunnydale. So the fact that he's just like, I'm going to go full evil and murder this girl in her bed right here in front of everybody is wild. So the nurse is like, oh my God, sir, no. <laughs> and she goes to run to security. We need more of the, the hospital staff in our lives, I think. <laughs> no, we're prepping her for this anti-cubital cut down. <laughs> should, we, should we ask Disney for a... Sunnydale ER series where it's like, <gasps> oh. you know, magical medical mysteries. Grey's Anatomy meets Buffy meets Charmed. Oh, that would be so good. Oh, Call make it us happen. Disney. Call us up. We're ready to write it for you. So the nurse goes to get security, but Angel security. Angel pulls the mayor off of Buffy and says, don't do that. And the mayor says, I will. I'll do that and worse, murderous little fiend. Did you see what she did to my faith? And Angel's like, I hadn't made plans to weep over that one. In fact, I was going to drink from her until she was dead. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what he was thinking. And the mayor says, well, I'd get set for some weeping if I were you. I'd get set for a world of pain. Misery loves company, young man. And I'm looking to share that with you and your whore. Ooh, he's so mad. So Angel throws the mayor across the room. 
and he crashes into the ground. And now there's a crowd. Now the ER staff is like, oh shit, fight. Like someone's fighting. And the mayor gets up, he's laughing. And he says, looks like somebody's been eating his spinach. He's like, it's okay, folks. It's okay. It's all right. The show is not over, but there will be a short intermission. I don't want to miss the second act. And he walks out past Angel and Angel says, I'll be there. So the next scene, Giles, Willow, Oz, and Xander are entering the hallway of the hospital looking for Buffy. Angel finds them and he says, she's fine. She's asleep. And Oz is like, you seem all right too. (laughs) Like, last I I saw you, you're touching my face, you know? (laughs) And Angel's like, yeah. (laughs) And Willow says, when we left her, she was fine. Did you find Faith? And Angel says, Buffy put her in a coma. Buffy cured me, made me dot, dot, dot. And the look on Giles' face, Giles says, you fed off her. And Angel says, yes. And I was like, oh my God, Giles has had to look at this man all year, the man who murdered his girlfriend, propped her in his bedroom for him to find. And now he is hearing from the same man that he's put his slayer in a hospital, that he drank from his slayer to the point where she almost died. Ooh, like, this is hard. This is so hard because we know why Angel did what he did. But they're not going to understand. The Scoobies are not going to understand this because they're always on Buffy's side. Okay, so I also want to point out that there's a parallel here between Buffy and Faith where the mayor is very upset with what's happened to Faith and Giles, as Buffy's dad, is very upset with what's happened to Buffy, right? And so we see Giles and the mayor have this parallel of they both care for these young women and they both are very protective of them. And then the mayor, now that he knows, you know, when he discovers Buffy's in the next room and his extreme reaction that we were just talking about, you know, and then his conversation with Angel, his use of the word whore, we're seeing like this weird kind of like latent misogyny coming out of him where... You know, and I I think that this is something that is common to a lot of the Buffy villains because most of the big bads in the Buffy series are male. Um, And the message of the show always seems to be either that they're underestimating Buffy, like we saw with the Master, um, and to some extent Angelus and Spike, um, or like in the Mare's case, it's not necessarily that they're underestimating her, but when push comes to shove, that misogynistic layer comes out of them right like there may be this veneer of politeness on top but you push them too far and suddenly it's all like you whore um <laughs> and so i think there's some interesting commentary happening in in this episode about the ways that men put themselves into protector roles especially older men and younger women and those roles of like surrogate fatherhood right and giles deals with it in a way that's a lot healthier than how the mayor deals with it, right? Where he, you know, this is inspiring him towards like being even more evil. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's also interesting how like, like Angel says that Buffy made me, right? She made me do it. And do we believe that? Because yeah, like he was delirious. He He protested and protested and protested. And she basically, like she's stronger than him. She forced his head to her neck and then he bit into her and started drinking. But do we think that she made him do it? Like, do we think that he actually had control? He, he could have just not bit, right? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the show wants us to think that she made him. 
I think yeah. the show wants us to think that, as I was saying earlier, um, she she exploited the weakness of his delirium to encourage his demonic side to take over to mm-hmm. the point where he could not resist, right? The blood is just so tempting that there's no way he could rationally control himself anymore. Maybe if he weren't sick, he could have controlled himself, but he was already in a weekend state. I think that's what the show wants us to believe. Whether or not we're comfortable with that portrayal of Angel is a whole other concept that we could talk about. But I'm pretty sure the show wants us to see it as Buffy forced Angel to do this because she can't bear to lose him, which is another kind of, you know, when we talk about consent, did Angel consent to this Mm. quote unquote medical treatment, right? Like people are allowed not to consent to medical treatment, even if it results in their death. And you know, for, for Buffy to force him to take this cure that he didn't want to take, she's technically overriding his autonomy. Like, he's allowed to choose not to be cured, uh, even if she doesn't want that. So there is an element of selfishness, which I think Buffy would admit to. But also, like, if we talk about consent in that scene and, and revisiting it here, like, Angel didn't consent to be cured, yet she he was forced to be cured. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when you were bringing up your point about um, the fatherly love and the, the 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 men looking out for the women in the case of Giles and the mayor. Because when Angel's saying, like, she made me, I think, I believe that. It's like what you're saying. Like, he said, I'm ready to die. I just wanted to see you one more time. Then I'm, that was going to peace out. And she forced him to drink from her. She made the choice. She consented. And she took away his decision by beating it out of him, basically, and make, bringing out those demonic sides of him. So the fact that Xander gets pissed here and Giles gets really fatherly and defensive toward Angel. And again, it's like, but Buffy chose this, right? But because, I mean, you, you're looking out for her. I understand the side of it where they're looking out for her as like a family member, as like a good friend, as like my surrogate daughter. But at the same time, Buffy is the reason she's where she is now. So I think not knowing the whole story, I see where they're coming from with their anger toward Angel. But when you know the whole story, I'm like, mm, Buffy chose this. So, like I said, Xander's looking pissed about all this. Like they keep shooting from Xander to Giles, from Xander to Giles. Like they don't show they don't show Willow, right? They show Angel looking guilty, and the two men in Buffy's life are two protectors: Xander, Harris, and Giles, grilling Angel about what happened, saying that it's his fault. And Xander says, well, it's good to know that when the chips are down and things look grim, you'll feed off the girl who loves you to save your own ass. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> Our last Honestly, shut up, Xander. Honestly, I wrote in my season. notes, because up until this point in the episode, <laughs> he's been okay. And then once again, this is like season two Xander coming out, not tell you know, his, his hatred of Angel is overpowering any maturity he's attained in this season. It's just like, we don't need your opinion here, Xander. We would be fine if you just shut up and didn't talk at all in this scene. Well, you know what, Xander? It's good to know that when the chips are down, you'll cast a love spell on your ex-girlfriend to get her back. So fuck off, yeah? <laughs> you fucking judgy piece of shit. Um, yeah, so Giles takes it better. He says, you better go, Angel. <laughs> we'll watch over. And Angel protests. He's like, I don't want to go. Giles says, you know, very sternly, the sun will be up soon. So Angel goes, and again, Xander says, gosh, I'm really going to miss him when he leaves town. Ugh. Fuck off, Xander. Xander, I wish you were leaving town. <laughs> and we, you wouldn't get a spinoff, so you'd go forever. <laughs> we never see you again. No, he's going to get his own TV show called Xander. 
There's another universe where we had to recap that stuff. <laughs> Can you, like, that's our punishment. Like, when we get sent to hell, <laughs> it's that we have to rewatch and talk about the Xander sitcom. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so... We cut to Buffy. Buffy is in Faith's apartment. This is a dream with or something. A dream, a pro- pro- prophecy dream, a, a a melding of consciousness. We, I'm not really sure, but we'll, let's go through the scene and see what see what happens. Um, Faith's apartment's all boxed up, ready to go, and uh, Buffy's looking around it. A cat jumps up on the bed, and Buffy says, "Who's going to look after him?" And Faith comes in, and she says, "It's a she." Aren't these things supposed to take care of themselves? And Buffy says, a higher power guiding us? And Faith says, that's not what I mean. And I don't know, Cara, do you want to like, try to like guess what these metaphors are? <laughs> like as we go through, like the cat to me was like a stray cat, i.e. like Faith, like Faith was a stray cat that like wandered into their lives. Yeah, because we know Faith doesn't have a cat, right? <laughs> so <laughs> she has a PlayStation, which is much better. <laughs> we would have loved to see the, the PlayStation jump up on the bed. <laughs> That would have been great. PlayStation just turns on. (laughs) Aren't Um, these things supposed to take care of themselves? (laughs) No, you got to feed them regularly or else um, they turn into Xboxes. Nobody wants that. No one wants that. Uh, No, I'm with you on the metaphor there. I think you're right that the the cat is faith. I think everything in this scene is faith. I think... Mm -hmm. You know, we know since Nightmares that Joss Whedon is big into dreams and we're going to see that again at the end of season four. You know, dream imagery, like, I mean, that we've seen all the prophecy dreams, right? And like you said, we're not really sure if this is a prophecy dream. We're not really sure if this is just hallucination. Like, is this faith or is this just Buffy hallucinating faith? We don't know. I don't think it really matters. I think the point is this scene is meant uh, not only to move the plot along, as we'll, we'll see in a moment, but also because... Buffy's processing the fact that she is responsible for Faith either dying or, you know, they're probably going to tell her once she wakes up that Faith is in the coma. Um, She's responsible for that. And if she survives graduation day, she is going to have to reconcile with the fact that she ultimately nearly killed another human being to save her vampire boyfriend. And she also failed. She failed another slayer she failed to stop faith turning evil and whether or not we think that it's fair for buffy to put that on her own shoulders she's absolutely going to do that because this is buffy and she's Mm -hmm. very hard on herself Mm -hmm. so i think that's what this scene is kind of introducing for us is a certain amount of guilt that buffy is going to carry with her into the next season and it it will be interesting to see how much if at all the next season kind of deals with the fallout from this episode, not just Angel leaving, which we've already been discussing, but Faith involuntarily exiting the scene um, because of Buffy's actions. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of shadows of uh, nightmares. Remember in Nightmares how much we talked about Buffy's true fears? Here, we're, we're seeing in this little conversation here that like what you're just saying about how she feels about Faith and failing Faith, like Buffy has a huge fear of not being good enough in a lot of things in her life. And clearly being not a good enough slayer was one of them. So for sure, the guilt of not saving Faith, but also attacking Faith, like who should arguably be her sister, is weighing on Buffy. So Buffy asks, like, is there something I'm supposed to be doing? And Faith is saying, Faith is looking out the window and she says, oh yeah, miles to go. Little Miss Muffet counting down from 730. And 
Buffy says, great, riddles. <laughs> but um, this is a significant line that we definitely can't talk about right now. But uh, her saying this is foreshadowing something that happens much later in the series. And we will be coming back to what is said by Faith right here. So the cat morphs briefly into Faith's body in a coma on the bed. And Faith says, they're never going to fix this, are they? And she's staring at the broken glass. But we wonder if she's talking about her relationship with Buffy. And Buffy says, what about you? And Faith looks like points to her face and she says, scar tissue, it fades, it all fades. And the bloody knife that Buffy stabbed Faith with flashes in and out of Buffy's hands. And Faith says, you want to know the deal? Human weakness never goes away, even his. And Buffy says, is this your mind or mine? And Faith laughs and says, beats me. And then she says, getting towards that time. Buffy asks how she's going to fit, how she's going to fit all this stuff. And she's talking about the boxes that are in Faith's apartment. And Faith says, I'm not gonna, it's yours. And Buffy says, I can't use all this. And Faith says, just, t just take what you need. Are you ready? And then Buffy wakes up. So this is such an interesting conversation and it is full of riddles. And it's it's it could be very confusing to read if like you don't know what you're looking for. The way I interpret it when Buffy's talking about the stuff and Faith says, it's um, like I'm not gonna need it, it's, it's now yours. I think that Faith is basically saying that her time of the Slayer as a Slayer is kind of over at this point because she's in a coma. But Buffy can carry on with all of the lessons and mistakes that Faith has shown her this year. The good qualities, the bad qualities, how not to go evil, but also how to like embrace your, your Slayer bad girl essence. I think that Buffy learned a lot from not only her fighting with Faith and at odds with Faith, but also from their friendship. And I think that's what that conversation means. That's just my opinion. That's how I that's how I interpret it. Yeah. Well, again, just like cherishing scenes with Cordelia, right? This this is Faith's last scene in this episode, in this season. We won't talk about season four, but this this is Faith's last scene, right? This is her last hurrah. And I, I think it's nice that we get this conversation between them because it does give us an element of closure to what has happened in this season. And do you think they're melding their minds together or did Buffy take a trip to Faith's? brain <laughs> or the opposite right it's really interesting i i think it's a melt yeah i think it's a genuine psychic connection yeah yeah and i think it'd be so cool if if there were ever more than one slayer at once like is this something that all the slayers could do where they can kind of help each other you know psychologically once in a while that'd be kind of interesting buffy goes over to, to faith's bed um and she kisses her on the forehead and this kiss is like nice because like you're saying, this is Faith's last scene of the season. So, you know, a little kiss, a goodbye, perhaps a, a forgiveness, right? Like, okay, we both took this really far <laughs> and I forgive you. But I also think that it's so interesting because when they first started fighting in Graduation Day Part 1, Faith says, give us a kiss. So Buffy's doing that. She's ending well, that storyline. Well, I mean, you know, if we're going to dig into the subtext here that we've been talking about this entire season the queer coding, mm -hmm. it is possible to read what's going on in this episode as Buffy choosing Angel over Faith in terms of her lovers, right? And I, I know that Buffy and Faith were never canonically lovers, but I just wanted to throw that out there as kind of this alternative reading, right? Yeah. Um, Buffy had the choice of Angel or Faith as a potential lover, at least, and she ended up choosing Angel, and this is her saying goodbye to that possibility of being with Faith. Ooh, very interesting. Hmm. Buffy walks into the hallway. The Scoobies are all waiting there for her. And she asks where Angel is. Oz says that he had to go. Buffy says, get him. Get everyone. And Xander's like, what's up? And Giles says, Buffy, are you sure you're all right? 
And Buffy says, I'm ready. And Willow says, ready for what? And Buffy says, war. Ooh. So we cut to the Sunnydale quad. Snyder is preparing the diplomas and getting ready for the graduation ceremony. In the library, Buffy's sitting on a chair because she's still quite weak. And she's facing the Scoobies. Angel's there. And she says that that's the basic plan. Am I crazy? And Willow says, you know, crazy is a strong word. And Giles is like, let's not rule it out, though. And Cordelia says, personally, I think it's not possible to come up with a crazier plan. And Oz interjects and says, we attack the mayor with hummus. Yes, do it. Please. <laughs> so I'd like to see that happen. And Cordelia points out that, that it's that it's the only plan. Besides, it's Buffy's. And she's Slayer Girl or Slay Girl. So little no, Miss Slay likes- Gal. It's very important you get this Cordelialism <laughs> right. Like, I love everything that comes out of Cordelia's mouth in this scene. Yeah. She's like, Little Miss likes to fight. <laughs> and Xander says, I think there's a yay vote buried in there somewhere. And I just want to point out that Cordelia's backing up Buffy here. Like, she yeah. just like in Dead Man's Party, Cordelia was the only one to come to Buffy's aid. She just does it in a weird way where people don't really see that she's being genuinely nice and supportive. <laughs> Buffy says she's going to need every single one of you on board, especially you, Xander. You're the key figure here. And Xander starts freaking out because responsibility in Xander. Like, I am also blown away. I don't think it should be on Xander. Uh, Buffy says, do you remember any of your military training from when you were soldier guy? And Xander's like, ooh, rocket launcher. And Buffy says a rocket launcher won't get it done. It took a volcano to take out one of these things last time. And I was like, they're really milking that Halloween episode, eh? Like, that's so long ago. Everything that happens from this point on in terms of, like, they acquire all these weapons, they acquire these explosives, you know, they they really hand wave a lot of this in the timeline and, like, getting all the kids prepared, you know. I, I'm not going to be too hard on it because it's epic, which we will, yeah. we will get into, right? It's but fine, yeah. Yeah, th- there's an element of convenience that the writers are falling <laughs> into here. We just got to go with it. Yeah. You remember like when they got the rocket launcher in Innocence and we were like, how did they just waltz into that military compound and just take it? Now they're waltzing into a military compound and getting like how many pounds of TNT or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, hey, we're going with it because we want to see it, right? Giles says this plan is rather dependent on Buffy being able to control the mayor. And Buffy says, Faith told her to play on his human weakness. <laughs> I like this because Willow says, Faith told you? Was that before or after you put her in a coma? And Buffy says, after. <laughs> and Willow's just like, ah. We, yeah, we just need to clarify the timeline here. <laughs> yeah, but like no more questions. They're just like, okay. Um, Giles asks what Faith's weakness is. And I like this because Buffy starts whining and she's like, you know, I, I do all the planning and I'm in charge here, even though I'm really not at my best. Like you're asking me all these questions. And Giles says, okay, let's think, let's think what it is. Oz points out that Angel has hung out with the mayor the most. So is there anything that he's afraid of? And Buffy looks down when Oz starts addressing Angel. And I don't know if it's because she's, again, shooting back to when she was jealous that Angel made out with Faith and was with the mayor for that episode. Or is she just uncomfortable that Angel's there? I don't know. I mean, she's still recovering from all that blood loss. I'm surprised she's standing. Like, Like, even if the hospital did finally get around to putting blood inside of her, like... You don't just get up and walk away when you've lost that much blood, even once they put it back in you. (laughs) I prefer to think that he put her in the hospital because the orgasm was so strong that he gave her. (laughs) It was the sex was so good that she just needed a a good rest 
for a couple hours. It's not too late if you want to audition to be the co-host of Prophecy Girls. Um, <laughs> please write in. You have to buy me out first, Carl. Oh, no, I was saying I was leaving. Oh. I can't do this anymore. No, stay, stay. <laughs> I need you to make uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so Angel points out that the mayor doesn't like germs. And Cordelia's like, yes, let's attack him with germs. And Buffy's like, yeah, we'll get him cornered and you can sneeze on him. And Cordelia goes on with this idea, you know, she's like running with it. She was like, we'll get a container of Ebola virus. It doesn't have to be real. It could just be a box that says Ebola on it and we'll chase him with the box. Hey, Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia. Like, you have to give her credit. She's being the yes girl in this situation, right? Yeah, she's not she's being trying. like, we can't do this. Like, she, yeah, she's actually coming up with plans, which is more than <laughs> somebody, Xander. Xander, who's supposed to be the key figure in this fucking plan and xander's like i'm leaning towards the hummus offensive because xander only sides with men and would never side with cordelia or a woman uh, you know oz is like yeah they'll never see it coming and angel is like enough with these schoolboys, okay it's faith who is the weakness the weakness at the hospital he was grieving seriously crazed and not just in the homicidal i want to be a demon kind of way she's his weakness buffy says faith she can work that and that's when Wesley comes in. Wesley just walks in like nothing happened and says, we haven't an enormous amount of time. And Buffy says, the council's not welcome here. I have no time for orders. If I need someone to scream like a woman, I'll give you a call. And I was like, ooh, we don't like when they when they do this. Uh, last time we saw this was in, I think, Go Fish, where Cordelia was making fun of Xander for screaming like a girl. Or running away like a girl. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, Wesley says, I'm not here for the council. Just tell me how I can help. And Cordelia's like, this is so classy. Isn't he just so classy? <laughs> and Buffy says, it's a start. So Wesley says, is there something I can do besides scream like a woman? And Buffy says, there's plenty of chores for everyone. This is how we're going to lay it out. And as she says, this is how we're going to lay it out. The mayor is saying it at the I same love time. This. It's a great cut. Such a good transition. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, Buffy and the mayor are preparing their armies for war. The mayor is telling his army of vampires that the transformation will begin at exactly 328. And he'll just be finishing his speech. And it's too bad that they're going to miss it because he thinks it speaks to everyone. He says, heck, I've been working on it for 100 years. It better be good. And then he laughs. Then he continues on. And he says, They'll try to run, of course. That's why I need you boys in flanking position. And one vi vampire says, But sir, the sun! <laughs> I love your vampire voice. Like your vampire minion voice. <laughs> they're very they're very earnest, aren't they, when they come from me? Like, sir, there's no one here! <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, right? It's like all these disposable, random vampire minions. It's like, I miss Mr. Trick. You know, if mm -hmm. Mr. Trick were here, were here, Faith wouldn't be in a coma right now. And this ascension would be going off without a hitch, because if there's one thing we know about Mr. Trick from his affiliation with Kakistos and his organization of Slayer Fest 98, Mr. Trick knows how to run an event. Like, that is a talent of his. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just, I feel really bad for the mayor, and I feel really bad for Mr. Trick that, you know, their, their budding partnership was cut so short. And wouldn't it have been interesting if Mr. Trick and Faith worked together throughout the rest of the season and then mr trick and angel had an epic fight at the end of the episode and then we could have a mr trick and faith spinoff 
Oh, amazing. <laughs> I would follow Mr. Trick into a spinoff much quicker than Xander's <laughs> stupid sitcom. <laughs> you could call it That's Tricks. Oh, damn. We're full of good show ideas here. We got so many spinoffs on the mind right now. We got we got Grey's Sunnydale. <laughs> like Grey's Anatomy, a.k.a. Sunnydale. And now we've got... Two spinoffs, one with Xander, which will suck and get canceled, and then one with Mr. Trick and Faith. (laughs) So the mayor says that the sun's not going to be a problem because Wesley is saying back at the library that he's reading the Ascension papers that Willow ripped out. And he's saying darkness will follow, the day becomes night, and and an eclipse is a standard procedure for an Ascension. And Angel says that'll put me back in the game. And Buffy says, yep, you and Xander will work together now. Can you guys handle that? And Xander can't handle that. So he says, I'm still key guy, right? Great. Then Angel is non-key guy capacity and he can work with me. And Angel's like, what fun? Because Angel's a snarky, petty bitch and I love it. And Xander (sighs) says, hey, key guy's still talking. And Buffy says, that's good. Start bickering. That'll be great for us. You guys are like little old ladies. And like, I think calling back to the Xander Angel, if you could call it rivalry (laughs) from the season one and early season two days at the end of season three, I don't care for it. I think we're way past this. I I wish they were little old ladies. Like that would be so (laughs) much more amusing, right? If Buffy had to deal with two elderly women who are, you know, trying to knit things for their grandchildren, but they've been drafted into this supernatural fight. God, this is another episode they could have done where instead of like turning into their costumes or getting, you know, losing their memories, they get aged. All of them. Oh my God, that's so funny. So we're just full of, we're so creative at the end of the season finale. They get aged, but Giles gets reverted to young Ripper. (laughs) Oh, now we're thinking, and Joyce again is young Joyce. It's like you go the opposite direction. Mwah, mwah, chef's kiss. So the mayor is telling the vampires to come up through the sewers. The important thing is containment. So the mayor is saying that he needs to feed right away because it's crucial to the first few minutes of his transformation to sustain the change. And I'm like, that's really interesting science that they've put into this giant demon, like being from going from human to demon. It's like, I need to eat immediately or I'm going to get confused. Well, and also we see the size of demon he turns into, right? And it's like, shouldn't you need more people? (laughs) Like... There's not that many people in the graduated class. That seems like that'd be just barely a whore's divorce. Like. <laughs> just like, and I shout out to the old whore's divorce reference. But um, it's true. And when we get there, I mean, we can just jump ahead. When we get there, he doesn't actually eat anyone. He kind of just like, Rah! he just like looks around a lot. He's like really, really confused. And I'm like, you should be eating, snatching these kids up so quick. You eat like five at once. So the mayor saying... That means no snacking. If I see blood on your lips, it's a visit to the woodshed for you boys. Kill, don't feed. And Buffy is asking Willow and Oz, how's the volcano detail coming? And Oz says they can work it out. And Willow says, fun with chemistry. Xander should be able to get the materials. And Oz asks who is going to stoke it up. And we don't know what they're talking about yet. And Buffy asks Giles if he's up to it. And Giles says, well, I suppose it ought to be me. It's strangely fitting in a grotesque fashion. And Buffy says, okay, start reaching out. She's going. She's like, Giles, weapons, weapons, weapons. There's something I need to get. And then we cut to the vampires are all leaving the mayor's office. And the mayor is saying after them, remember, fast and brutal. It's going to be a whole new world come nightfall. Don't want to weaken now. And boys, watch the swearing. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm glad he's got his priorities straight right there. <laughs> I love that. Just adding, we're going to massacre this entire city. But watch the swearing. So Xander goes up to Harmony. <laughs> it's so brilliant. He's like, Harmony, I need to talk to you for a sec. And Harmony says, you mean in front of other people? <laughs> And Xander pulls her out of the room. And then Willow approaches Percy the jock, who doesn't like the way he looks in the stupid grad uniform. And she says, you got a sack. And it's very interesting. So they're, the Scoobies are tapping into the popular kids at school because I guess they're natural born war leaders. <laughs> so Cordelia and Wesley. Oh, my God, the scene. Do, do you need me to summarize this scene, too? <laughs> yeah, I would like you to do, too, just because I enjoy your voice. We cut back to the library. Cordelia and Wesley are packing up library books. They're boxing them up. Uh, looks like they're in the occult section. But, you know, again, like you and I know what's coming. We know what's happening. But for somebody watching this episode for the first time who doesn't know what happens at the end of it, we're just like this scene isn't supposed to make a lot of sense as to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. We don't have to pay attention to what they're doing. We only have to pay <laughs> attention to what's going on between the two of them. Yeah. So... What's going on is Wesley looks at Cordelia when she's looking down and then he turns away and she looks up and looks at him while he's looking down. So they're taking these furtive glances at each other. And then finally, while Cordelia has her back turned, Wesley says Cordelia and she turns, she whips around. She's like, yes, like she's been waiting. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> one of them has been waiting for the other to say something. And he says, you know, that when this is over, should we prevail? I'll be going back to England. And Cordelia says, I know. There's this kind of sense of finality to it. Mm -hmm. And Wesley says, with Buffy no longer working for the council, there's really no place for me here. I guess not, says Cordelia. And they get closer. He takes a step towards her. He says, there's no reason to stay. And Cordelia steps towards him. No. <laughs> Wesley says, no cause to hope that. He takes off his glasses because that's what dramatic British people do, as we know from Giles. And he says... <laughs> I might be needed. Cordelia says, needed. <laughs> Wesley says, or wanted. Cordelia says, wanted. And then, and I know you've been waiting for this all season, Steph. You've been asking for this. Oh, oh my Cordelia God. Cordelia and Wesley kiss. <laughs> Is this not the hottest part of this episode, Stephanie? Yeah. Step aside, vampire biting sex scene and enter this kiss that i can only describe as people who have never kissed you before. gotta try before you buy people even ace car knows this like. <laughs> right test it out go for a test drive first um the kiss they have no chemistry they don't know what they're doing with their arms um they're, they're like they're kissing all over their face or like and they both know it's awful and they they pull away and cordelia literally wipes her mouth with her hand and then they try again they try to kiss again because it's been months of them crushing on each other but it's so terrible and like i'm not surprised that wesley is a bad kisser but to be honest i never saw xander and cordy have a really good kiss so it actually Makes me wonder if, like, the actress herself, because it's now been two examples of where it's really bad kissing. Well, this that was what I was asking myself as I watched yeah. the scene. Is I'm like, how many takes did they have to do because it wasn't bad enough? Right? <laughs> yeah, like, I imagine the first worse. time they kissed, it was probably like a normal screen kiss, and you know, the director was probably like, "Cut, we got to go again." Uh, you know, you, you got to make it like worse. worse. And then the next take, it's like, okay, but worse, right? And it's like, maybe the director's getting in there and it's kind of like miming like what <laughs> they want Cordelia and Wesley to be doing because the actors are just like too good at kissing. 
Yeah, and like there's one point where like Wesley's like leaning straight forward and Cordelia's trying to like grab his back. Oh, it's it's so bad and it's so fucking funny. I mean, we know Alexis Denisov eventually became a good kisser at some point in real life because he's married to Allison Hannigan and I don't think she'd put up with anything less than perfection, right? Exactly, exactly. So we know like this is just acting, this is acting everybody. But um when they break apart, they both just know that that was the fucking worst and Cordelia says Good luck in England. And Wesley says, mm, yes, thank you. I'll drop you a line sometime. And Cordelia says, that'd be neat. And then they turn away. And it's so funny because Wesley kind of like wipes his mouth too. Where he's like, what the hell? And Cordelia is like, her face says it all. She's like, the fuck? That was so gross. It's anticlimactic, <laughs> right? And it's so unlike uh, Willow and Oz, who finally have done the deed. And they're so incredibly over the moon about it. Uh, Wesley and Cordelia have finally done their deed of a sorts, and it did not work out. So <laughs> glad we've resolved that. I like to think that it's Giles is right about Wesley, that he has the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone, but also that Cordelia is learning a lesson here where she was purely attracted to Wesley, I think, for the look and the allure of a foreign, hot librarian man. And then turns out it's like, well, no, you didn't have any chemistry. You don't have anything in common. We cut to outside, Larry and Jonathan. Aw, Larry and Jonathan. A little, a, little, a little end of high school hello to them. Um, they're loading, I think, fertilizer into a shopping cart. It looked like fertilizer to me. And they're unpacking Oz's van and bringing the shopping cart into the school. And Oz says, put these with the others and don't touch anything. And Jonathan asks, what do we do then? And Willow just says, relax, have a good time. And then they go and they close the van door behind them. And Willow says, guess that's it. Won't be long now. And Oz asks her if she's nervous. And she says only in a terrified way. And Oz takes her hand and says, we're going to get through this. And they do this back and forth. Like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Must be sure. And Willow says, is that just a comforting way of not answering my question? And they stare at each other and then they start to kiss. And Willow says, how long till graduation? And Oz says, little while. And they kiss some more. And we can assume that they had a quickie in his van just then. <laughs> and I was like, have fun, kitties. Like, have fun. You're young. This is like, you're about to die, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a little quickie in the van before graduation. Who hasn't been there, I ask you? So... <laughs> Angel is putting weapons together in Giles's office. And oh, this scene. Buffy comes in and Angel says, um, did you get what you needed? And Buffy's holding like a, a wrapped up cloth. And she says, yep, but this isn't going to be enough. And Angel says, Giles is on it. He's getting more weapons. And um, he asks her how she is. And Buffy says, she heals fast, just like you. And as she's about to go, Angel says to her, I'm not going to say goodbye and Buffy just looks at him and he says, if we get through this, I'm just going to go. And Buffy looks devastated. And Angel says, do you understand? And she nods. And they both kind of like stare and they both look so heartbroken. And Angel starts to explain. He says, there's just too much to. But Buffy holds up her hand. and She's just like, stop. And Angel just leaves the room and Buffy just takes this in. And it's this scene impacted me so much because I think we not that we forget that they broke up but Angel promised that he was going to leave two episodes ago and now he really wants to leave because look what I fucking did to you right I almost killed you last night and that can't happen again so instead of saying this whole goodbye thing where I probably won't be able to force myself to go because you'll cry and it's going to be a lot harder I'm just going to leave some people might think that that's cowardly 
and that's not fair. But I don't think he has a choice, honestly. The two of them are so intertwined. I just, I, I can't see any, any other way for him to go than to just go. Yeah, I I think this is not great timing in terms of like when he's telling this to Buffy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit insensitive in the sense of like, she's focused on her mission now. Like she cured you, dude. Okay, but you're not her priority at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm with you though, Steph. And here's why. We spend so much time when we are um, dissecting the end of Buffy and Angel's relationship. I'm saying we, I'm, I'm talking about us as like the fandom in general. We tend to privilege Buffy's perspective. We tend to be on Buffy's side, right? Just like the Scoobies. And I think it's worth remembering. And, um, you know, some of our listeners pointed this out last time. Like, Angel is in this relationship too. This is hard for Angel too. And this is Angel being very open with Buffy and communicating with her and saying, this is very painful for me. And here's what I'm going to do to try to make it slightly less painful. And we are allowed to maybe disagree with what he's doing or think it's unfair for from Buffy's perspective. But, you know, Angel is allowed to feel his feelings as well. Yeah. And he's allowed to make this this decision to be like, instead of drawing this out, if we survive... I'm going to leave. And if you're looking for me, you'll know that it's because I left. And I think that's a choice. But um, bad timing, I agree on. And Buffy is fucking devastated. And she stares down. And what she had brought with her was the knife that she went to go, the, the murder weapon that she went to go pick up from Face Apartment. I'm glad it was still there. Like, you know, you would think that like the mayor or one of his minions would have found it. Seriously. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's just dried in the sun. <laughs> it's good. So... It's graduation ceremony time. Pomp and circumstance is playing like dun, 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 classic. And um, all the Scoobies are there. All the classmates, all the Sunnydale High graduates are all um, in their robes and with their hats. And they're sitting down and Snyder does his welcome speech at the podium. And also we're saying goodbye to Snyder in this episode. Love his speech here. Because <laughs> he says, congratulations, class of 1999. You all proved more or less adequate. <laughs> he says, this is a time of celebration. So sit still and be quiet. Spit on that gum. Please welcome our distinguished guest speaker, Richard Wilkins III. And then he says, I saw that gesture. See me after graduation. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Snyder. Like, honestly, you've been such a great character all the way since you were the replacement for Principal Flutie, who got eaten <laughs> yep. by high school students who were hyenas. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Snyder, you've been excellent. And Armin Scheimerman, you're just such an amazing actor. He's great. So shout out to Snyder. Spill that gum. Um, <laughs> Willow and Oz come in late because they were banging in his van. Oh, my God. Uh, so they come in late. I get it. Good for them. Uh, the mayor takes out his speech and he says, well, what a day this is. A special day. Today is our centennial, the 100th anniversary of the founding of Sunnydale. And this actually amazes me because now we know he's Mayor R- Richard Wilkins III, meaning that he's lived three whole lives, 100 years since he's been the mayor of Sunnydale, assuming that he founded it. I'm assuming he also mm-hmm. was the founder of Sunnydale. And yeah. this just reminded me all the planning, the last hundred years, the building of Sunnydale, the sewer system, everything, the 12,000 graveyards, like all these, all this was built by the mayor 
for this day, for the end of season three. It's pretty incredible. Well, and something that's never addressed in the series, and I'm sure there's like fanfic or some unofficial fiction out there somewhere that does address it. But, you know, was the mayor aware of the master being imprisoned by the Hellmouth and his blood pool? Like, it, it's unclear when the master showed up in Sunnydale and how long he's been imprisoned there. But this whole thing during season one where the master's like, I am going to be free and then I'll rampage through the town. You know, is it like, is the mayor just letting that happen? Does he think Buffy's going to stop it? And then Buffy will also be dead and that's Buffy out of the way. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can take it, but I'm just, I'm so curious, right? Because mm-hmm. the mayor has been here since the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, it's true. And like how much like, of a What did you think play? of Colin when Colin was the big bad at the beginning of season two, right? He's like, <laughs> now there's a kid vampire in town. <laughs> he was probably like, I just love when the youth get together and like join community events. Isn't it so great? <laughs> so yeah, me, I mean, hey, we, we, we're not going to ever get the answers to these, like you said, but it is fun to think about. It's fun to think about what the mayor was up to behind the scenes. And I think we said it at the very beginning of the season, because the mayor knew Spike was in town in Lover's Walk. The mayor knew what, what he was up to last year, probably knew what Angelus was also up to last year. So it just sounded like he was just hanging back and watching things unfold. But as long as no one fucks around with this year, 1999, it's all good. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he keeps going. He says, I know what this means to all you kids. Not a darn thing. Today, something much more important happens. Today, you all graduate from high school. Today, all the pain, all the work, all the excitement is finally over. Now, what's 100 years of history compared to that? And he's obviously talking about himself. (laughs) He's talking about all his pain and work that he put into today. And Buffy says, this is and (laughs) this is honestly my favorite lines in the entire series, these are some of them, where Buffy says, my God, he's going to do the entire speech. And Willow says, man, just ascend already. <laughs> and Buffy says, evil. <laughs> it's such a good joke. <laughs> well, and I'm really glad. This is what I wrote in my notes when he started talking, because I remember, of course, I said, I'm really glad he doesn't have to do the entire speech because (laughs) I agree with them. Like that would be hard to sit through. (laughs) Willow's just, man, send already. (laughs) So they'd rather the apocalypse come than listen to the speech. What in you? You know, to be honest, I like the speech. I think I've written a lot of speeches in my time and I think this one's pretty good. We're just disagreeing so much in this episode. I know we're reaching a crossroads, (laughs) aren't we? We're really going to have to audition for new (laughs) podcast hosts. (laughs) We're going to go separate. We're going to break up. I'll take prophecy. You take girls. And we'll do separate <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> All right. Um, the mayor says, it's been a long road getting here. You for sunny day. long um, road. It's been a long day without you, my friend. Okay. There's been achievement, joy, good times, and there's been grief. There's been loss. And now we know the mayor's thinking about Faith. And I think he's, I'm getting the impression that he's staring directly at Buffy when he's saying this. So he says, but we are. Journey's end. And what is a journey? Is it just distance traveled? Time spent? It's what happens on the way. It's the things that shape you. And at the end of the journey, you're not the same. Today is about change. Graduation doesn't just mean your circumstances change. It means you do. And you ascend to a higher level. Nothing will ever be the same. 
nothing. And that's when everyone looks up because the eclipse is happening and the mayor starts wincing in pain. And he's trying to finish his speech, but he starts convulsing. And Buffy's like, come on, like, come on. And the mayor screams. And then he says, it has begun. My destiny. It's a, it's a little sooner than I expected. I had this whole section on civic pride. But I guess we'll just skip to the big finish. And the mayor morphs into an enormous black snake. And it, the CGI is... <laughs> a little, bad. Well, yeah. We can just say it's bad. It's bad. Um, anyway, it's a giant snake. And the parents and teachers all run for it. And I'm like, none of these parents give a shit about their kids. They just, they just take off. Because the students of Sunnydale High have all shed their robes and revealed that they all have weapons underneath, like axes, bow and arrows, chains, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. And um, the group of vampires are advancing on them from the sewers from behind. So Xander shouts, first wave, as these flamethrowers are being, I don't know, directed at the mayor, at the, at the snake, and the students are firing their arrows at the snake. Nobody noticed them lugging huge flamethrowers up to the graduation area? I guess maybe they're hidden under their robes. I don't know, that's what I'm assuming. The snake eats one student as it runs by. And Steiner's watching this all go down. And he's like, this is simply unacceptable. <laughs> and so some of the students are, are peacing out. They're like, fuck this. And they run down the stairs. But of course, the vampires that are coming up from the sewers catch them and immediately start killing them. So Xander says, Bowman! And Oz and crew who are at the back, they light a bunch of arrows on fire. And they fire them at the vampires. And a lot of them are hit. And a lot of them dust. So, so that, I will point out the... Well, they don't really dust. They, like, flame out. That's a pretty good effect because we haven't seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, interesting that they're, like, not only are we going to fire arrows at them, they got to be on fire. And that's pretty cool. So students are at the front of the battle near the snake. They're starting to get hit and they're, like, being pushed over and flying around. So Buffy tells them all to fall back. Angel, Wesley, and per Percy... And a group of other fighters are coming up behind the vampires and they start fighting them. Angel starts taking them out. Wesley gets knocked down immediately. He gets clotheslined. He just, <laughs> yeah. he just saunters towards the battle. And this one vampire just sticks out his arm and Wesley goes down. And it's hilarious. It's just so funny like right away. And oh no, oh no. Poor Larry, who was had a flamethrower gets hit by the snake's tail and we see him fall and land with a crunch and he's dead. So rest in peace, Larry. I'm pressing F to pay my respects because, you know, I, remember, he was the first openly gay character on this show and it sucks. I think he should have gone, he should have been able to go to college and we should have checked in with him at UC Sunnydale. He could keep, you know, showing up from time to time. It sucks that they killed him off just because we recognized him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and we've only known that he's been, like, comfortably gay for a couple episodes, and we didn't even get to see that, yeah. and now he's dead. They could have killed Percy or Hogan or somebody, right? Fucking Hogan! Like, he shouldn't have lived through this. So Snyder's shouting at the snake now. He's saying, this is not orderly! This is not disciplined! You're on my campus, buddy, and when I say I want quiet, I mean it! And the snake eats. Snyder, rest in peace, Snyder. Again, my eulogy... My eulogy for Snyder here is he spent his entire career at Sunnydale doing the mayor's bidding, right? He was like, I'm the little mayor, I'm the mayor's little yes man. And, 
you know, what will the mayor think? What will the police chief think? Mm -hmm. But he's standing up to the mayor now. And I kind of talked about this back in the puppet show, way back in season one, because I knew what was coming. This is an iconic moment for me, because to me, Snyder's not evil. Um, He's working with evil because he's a school administrator. (laughs) But Snyder cares about order. Order is his god. He is an amoral character where he will side with whichever side of the battle will preserve order and preserve the status quo. So for most of his career, most of what we've seen from him, he's been on the mayor's side. But that relationship started to strain in this season. Like when, you know, the mayor brought that box full of killer spiders into the cafeteria. That wasn't a good move. Um, And so Snyder, you know, in this moment, I'm not going to call him a hero because he's not being heroic. But he is standing for what he believes in. And I do respect that. I, he was such a funny character, you know, and like he had no place in the college years. It makes sense that this is his ending. Um, yeah, I don't I, I have no problem with them killing off Snyder, mm-hmm. unlike Larry, because um, it, it not only does it make narrative sense, but, you know, like you said, we wouldn't be able to bring him back like we could have brought Larry back. Um, and, you know, as far as we know, we don't know Snyder's sexuality, so we don't know if he's gay. And I just wanted to point out, you know, here's the show killing its first openly gay character. Buffy tells the students to fall back and she tells Willow to go. Willow says, good luck. Buffy says, Xander, take them down because Xander is in charge. I don't know. If, I don't know why. He's key guy. <laughs> and Xander says, hand to hand. And they all take out their like hand to hand weapons and run down. Angel's f- fighting like 10 vampires at once. He is filling his quota for but the day. But you'll notice he's just punching them. He's not actually staking any of them. So I don't know how effective he's being. Yeah, you know what, though? It's nice to see him do what he does best. Is he one punch vamp? <laughs> great reference um one vamp shouts get the kids but they all the are <laughs> another vampire minion that we're gonna miss um but the army of students is running down at them they're being overwhelmed they're like overwhelmed by all this these students but we do see that harmony also gets bitten and we assume dies so jonathan tackles little guy jonathan tackles one vampire it's pretty he, like jumps on him yeah I'm just like you know i'm like no not jonathan i don't <laughs> i don't really care that harmony dies but like not jonathan yeah i know harmony's kind of like yeah you got yours um xander's yelling at some kids named jason and doug about something but then we see cordelia being the badass that she is this is the greatest send-off to her character i can imagine she does this badass spin and stakes a vamp in the heart her first on-screen staking and it's wonderful and i'm glad they gave that to her it's an epic moment yes you know and we did we read a hot stake in a previous episode from a listener who's like I think Cordelia is a potential slayer. And, you know, here's some things that are why. And one of the reasons we do want to mention it, you know, because it was a spoiler technically. But one of the reasons is this scene. Cordelia seems to have some kind of innate talent for staking. Um, And whether or not she is a potential slayer, I, I like that the show is showing her growth. We have to remember it. She's a cheerleader. She is very athletic. So it's entirely within the realm of possibility that she's capable of doing this. This is where it's like earlier I was a little critical of how it's like it's been less than a day and you like convinced all these students to fight vampires with you, Mm -hmm. you know, 
how mm-hmm. many of them are going to die because they're just bad at it? Like It's true. But I'm really glad Cordelia survives and she's staked. I'm you know, she we see her stake one vamp. So I'm gonna say because like obviously we can't spend the whole camera time focused on Cordelia, she must be staking other vamps off camera because if we saw her stake one, then all that time we weren't looking at her. She must have been staking at least a couple more. So I'm gonna say she staked maybe in the neighborhood of five vampires and i think that's pretty impressive i think for every vampire that angel beat up he threw it toward cordelia and she stayed they had like a tag team thing going on yeah that's exactly what happened that's canon so um (laughs) while this is happening wesley's lying on the ground and he's asking for help he's like help me (laughs) i know it's so (laughs) pathetic and it's just like this is this is how you're going out wesley yeah but i like that hey i mean no spoilers here but it's interesting that Cordelia Wesley and Angel we're all in this fight together right it's true yeah so all the kids are in the back of the school now and Buffy's by herself with the mayor the snake man who like again he's just kind of like ah, ah, just like wailing around like he's really confused okay, he's but not eating I have anybody. to imagine that the ascension must be very traumatic and disorienting right because you have to remember, like, you're here. I'm kind of motion, motioning human height. <laughs> Suddenly, within about 30 seconds, you're all the way up there, right? Yeah. Like, his entire perspective has changed. His body has changed. So he has no, like, he has no limbs anymore. So he's like, I'm all no limb. Like, and he's hungry. And he's trying <laughs> yeah. to eat people. And now there's people shooting flames at you. Like, I totally understand why Demon Mare is acting this way. Because... He's not having a good... This is not the way the Ascension's supposed to be. It's so true, because not only has... It sounds like no other demon that ascended had to deal with an army of children, you know, trying to kill them right away. Most of it was taken by surprise, but you're right. Like, being in a completely different type of body that's, like, 30 times bigger than you are would be disoriented. He also just ate Snyder, and I imagine that must give him some indigestion. <laughs> it's like, he's like, oh, I could go for a nice glass of milk right about now. <laughs> So Buffy shouts at the mayor. She says, hey, you remember this? And she's holding up Faith's knife and it's still got her blood on it. And she says, I took it from Faith, stuck it in her gut, just slid into her like she was butter. And I was like, damn, Buffy. And Buffy says, you want to get it back from me, dick? And then she runs. She runs. And me and you have talked about Buffy running before where it doesn't seem like she's actually got a lot of speed. But we see her running like she... She caught up to those hellhounds on prom pretty and, and quickly. I, I have to say, is this the only reason they named the mayor Richard so that we could get to this line? So that she could call him Dick? <laughs> so, okay, Buffy's running into the school. She's running through the Sunnydale halls as the snake chases her, knocking down the halls as he goes. And we run right past Catherine the Great, the trophy. <laughs> and I can't help but notice that she's just like, what the fuck? I really, really need you to do a, a TikTok that's like an in memoriam of all the, the characters who've died in Sunnydale High because, <laughs> like, I need this. I need us to do, you know, R.I.P. Larry, R.I.P. Snyder, R.I.P. Catherine the Great. She's seen it all, and now here she is. <laughs> the great eye of Sunnydale High. It's gone too soon, gone too soon. So the snake crashes through all the walls as it chases her. Buffy goes into the library and runs straight through the stacks out the back window. And the mayor gets into the library and he sees bomb things. And we know what bomb things look like because we watched the Zeppo. There's like fuel cans and like wires and shit everywhere. And there's no books, which is why Cordelia and Wesley were packing up the books, right? They did save the books and... 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I assume just the occult books, though, and Buff- and Giles' it looks like stash. They, it looks like they cleaned out most of the library. Like. That was nice of them. They didn't have to do that. So, anyway, it's funny because the, the snake takes a look around and says, well, gosh. And then outside, Buffy meets Giles, and Giles pushes the lever, and the entire school blows up. R.I.P. Sunnydale High. That's our final character that dies. I, I really hope that they made sure every, like all the parents appeared to have run into the school after <laughs> the mayor transcended. Well, I want a question. Like the, the explosives were in the library. So yes, there was intense structural damage to the, the hallways the mayor slithered through. <laughs> and I imagine the explosion in the library would have damaged, you know, a significant part of the school, the foundation. Uh, There's probably a shock wave, you know, but the way that it was filmed, you see like the 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 bell tower that was added in, in earshot, like blows up, <laughs> and the front entrance that, as far as we know, isn't near the library, blow like it it goes up in flames. Yeah, and I'm just like, did they plant like a chain of explosives somewhere else? And like, you know, it's clearly just for dramatic effect, but the actual placement of the explosions, like the shots that we see are not consistent with what's going on in the library. And I'm just like, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to ruin the moment because honestly, this is the best. Yeah. Like epic. This is, this is not the best finale in my opinion, but I will say there are two things about this finale that I really, really like. One is blowing up the school library because it's the perfect cathartic way to end high school. And I know that this episode, like earshot, it was actually pulled. They didn't air it when it was originally supposed to air because they were worried that it would give kids ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think it's a wonderful commentary on the high school as hell metaphor. And it's just fun. Like, that that's a great way to deal with the big bad is to blow him up. And while you're doing that, you're dis- it, it's the end of the era, right? It's you're yeah. destroying the room where all the magic happened. And it's like, what's going to happen in the next season? Because we know for sure, like, Buffy's going to university, we don't know what's going on with Giles, but it's like we know for sure they're not meeting in that library anymore. That library is no gone. There's no going back. There's no going back exactly. because it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share the other reason. I'll share the other reason I think this is a, a good finale towards the end of the episode. So in the aftermath of this explosion, there are fire trucks and cops and, you know, um, like you said, the shout out to the emergency <laughs> medical community. Um, Wesley's being wheeled away in a stretcher and he's complaining about the pain. He's like begging for aspirin. He's like, can, can I just be knocked unconscious? He's got the, like, the <laughs> neck brace on and stuff. <laughs> so <like>. pathetic. <laughs> so he that's that's by Wesley. I think that's the last time we see him in Sunnydale as well. So goodbye to him. He was an interesting addition, uh, a necessary addition in comparison to Giles for this season. But we had a lot of fun with Wesley's character. Buffy and Xander are walking through the scene and Buffy's looking around. She's scanning the area. We know she's looking for Angel. And Xander says, he made it through the fight. I guess maybe he he took off after. And Buffy nods and looks sad. So Bu- Xander leaves her and Giles comes over and asks she, if she's okay. And Buffy says she's tired. And Giles is like, yeah, I should imagine so. It's been a couple of days. And Buffy says she hasn't processed everything yet. My brain isn't really functioning on a higher level. It's pretty much fire bad, tree pretty. And Giles says, when it's working again, congratulate it on a good campaign. You did very well. And I was like, that is so sweet, Giles. Like, Buffy did put together a really epic plan. Like, that was a really good idea. And Giles 
actually ferreted something for her from the wreckage, and it's a sizzled diploma. And um, he says you earned it, and Buffy takes it, and Giles says, There's a certain dramatic irony attached to all this, a synchronicity that borders on predestination, one might say. And Buffy says, Fire bad, tree pretty. Like, do not use these words with me right now. And Giles is like, I'm going to go attend to Wesley. I think he's still somewhere whimpering somewhere. So he goes and as Buffy watches him go, she gets this look on her face and she turns around. And oh my God. Angel standing like, I don't know, 50, 70 feet away from her. And he's, he's not a coming to her. He's just standing and they stare at each other and there's tears and understanding and like a million things are being said in this stare and there's no surprise to you Kara I bawled my eyes out at this scene every time and the third time was like earlier today because I had to write these notes oh god so the amount of things they're saying in this stare it goes on for a long time 30 seconds they're staring at each other and then Angel slowly backs up turns around and walks away into the fog and Buffy watches him go until he's completely gone and the fog surrounds him and he disappears just like as mysteriously as he came angel leaves and this was heartbreaking for buffy it's heartbreaking for the show because buffy and angel are such a big part of the high school years of the series but it hit me because i know that this is the end of angel and buffy on the series we're going to see elements of them we're going to get callbacks to them and he certainly is going to come back and visit i hope um <laughs> But this is such a beautiful way to summarize this relationship. And I don't see it going any other way. Like I said earlier, I was on Angel's side for saying, I'm just going to go because what else is there to say? They're, they're connected psychically. They know what's to be said. They know what this means and they know why he's leaving. And it, I think it's just a really lovely end to this three years, three season story arc of the two of them. And it's not over, in my opinion. It's just over for now. And they understand that. And I think this was just a really beautiful end to that. Well said. Um, I, I need you to read the notes that you made for this. <laughs> so as, as Angel turned around and walked away and <sighs> drifted into the fog, I wrote, no, <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> come back. Come back. I'm like Rose from Titanic. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Don't go. And then I also was like on my drive home, I had to listen to a little bit of um, sad music. Goodbye, my lover. <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. A little James Blunt for the soul. I'm just so sad. Like, oh, God, I love Angel so much. And I, I personally am devastated that he's leaving the show. But it's for bigger, better things. Angel deserves a spinoff. Angel deserve, we, he deserves to get his redemption arc. And I want to see him grow on his own. I want to see what he does as he tries to be the hero that Los Angeles needs, but also tries to find purpose in the fact that he's back from hell. Because certainly, we don't like the mayor, but what the mayor said about, is you being Buffy's boyfriend and holding her back your purpose? It's not. So I'd love to see Angel discover what his purpose is. Well, um, I'm not quite as heartbroken as you are, Steph. I think that's pretty obvious, but... <laughs> I, I'm here to bear witness to your pain. Thank you so much. Thanks for being there for me. 
I, yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful scene. I loved it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I honestly wouldn't. That's the best way for him to leave the series as a series regular. Um, Cordy joins Oz, Willow, and Xander, who are all staring up at the school. And Cordy says, well, that was the most fun you could have without having any fun. And Willow said, what about the part where we kicked some demon's ass? Didn't hate that. And Buffy comes over, asks if, asks if they want to take off and says they've done everything they can. And Cordelia's like, I'm for it. And Willow asks Buffy if she's okay. And this is another, like, Buffy takes a moment because she's not okay. Of course she's not. She's barely dealt with the fact that they broke up and now he's left. That's a, She doesn't know when she's going to see him again. Um, she says, I could use a little sleep. If someone could just wake me up when it's time for college, that would be great. And Oz says, guys, take a moment to deal with this. We survived. And Buffy says, it was a hell of a battle. And Oz says, not the battle, high school. And they all stare up at the high school, just as Carr and I stared back at our podcast <laughs> earlier today. And we all took a moment. We all take a moment. Listeners take a moment. And then we all get up and go. Oz says, we're done. And then they walk away. And I really love what Willow's saying as they walk off into the distance. Willow's like, why do demons come here? <laughs> Don't they know how bad we are? <laughs> <laughs> She's like feeling really confident after this uh, epic ending of the apocalypse. So... The camera pans down away from them to a Sunnydale Hyde 99 yearbook that's all sizzled. And the slogan is, the future is ours. <laughs> and we fade to black. Dun, 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 dun. Goodbye, my lover. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. So this season finale is really satisfying to me. And I, you, you said earlier that it's not your favorite season finale, but I actually think that if the series were to end here, it would be a good series finale. Sure. No, I agree with you on that. Sure. It would have yeah. been a good series finale. It really, it, everything tied up really nicely. Imagine like five seasons of Buffy were in high school only and they ended it this way. I would leave a very satisfied watcher. Yeah, no, I, I think this, you're right. It's a it's a very good finale. Um, when I say I don't think it's the best one, it's just because I think there's you know a couple that I personally think are better finales overall. But like I was saying, there's a couple of reasons I think this is a really good one. I think this is the most lighthearted finale that we've had mm. or will have because I feel like the previous two were pretty dark. You know, Buffy dies and then. Angel dies. She kills Angel. Um, (laughs) And future finales, without going into any spoilers, uh, I think that the other future finales all have like a lot of darkness to them. Some of them have elements of hope, obviously, but there there is something about the way this one ends with, as Oz points out, we survived high school. We survived hell. They're all walking away. We know they're going to college after this. Obviously, they're going to face more monsters and more troubles in the next season, but for this moment, they've won not just the battle against the mayor, but the battle against high school. So there's a lot of optimism here. And like I was saying earlier about how like blowing up the school is fun, kids. <laughs> this is an amazing way to defeat the big bad. And I will say that throughout the series, the big bads have always been incredible. But sometimes I've been a little let down with how they get defeated. You know, I think the master was fine. I think Buffy's battle with Angel was fine. But in the future, it's like um, sometimes the the defeat of the big bad, to me, it's almost anticlimactic because it, 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 
it's it's the ending of the big bad's presence and the the actor's presence is always the best part right Mm -hmm. but this is amazing buffy has this plan she and her friends execute it flawlessly she lures the mayor into the school and he gets one final line and it's a perfect line he's just like (laughs) well gosh like he's so surprised (laughs) you know and i always see it as like a goofy voice of like well gosh and then boom um so to me even though I would not consider this my favorite finale, I think it's one of the best ways of getting rid of the big bad in this series. It's very creative and thoughtful on the part of Buffy and the Scoobies. It's filmed really well. As I said earlier, like if I wanted to be critical, I could tear this episode apart. This is the magic. I don't want to. And that's how you know you have good TV is when you have so many flaws in an episode, but the viewers just don't want to pick apart the flaws because they had such a good time watching it. Yeah, well said. And also like the carry on of the of the camaraderie from prom of the entire high school population rallying around Buffy and being like, we're going to fight this guy, too, because your lives are at stake. And I like that a lot. Uh, Who's your hero? Don't do this to me, Steph. <laughs> um, <laughs> Xander, the key man. <laughs> right? Obviously. I don't know if I can choose. They they all have really good moments in this episode. You know, Cordelia with the staking of the vampire. Angel with his support for Buffy, despite everything she's done, everything he's done. He's still standing by her. He's still fighting with her. Um, Giles. I think I said last episode, Giles was my hero because of how he just helped Buffy with Angel, despite the fact that Angel had tortured him and killed his girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Giles is really in father mode, and I appreciated that. I'd love to say Principal Snyder just for standing up for the school that way, but like I said, I don't think that's yeah. for I mean, Wesley showed up. Maybe I'll, yeah, that's true. Wesley, I think he did the most of them all. He sacrificed the most, really. <laughs> and he also, like, got fired, and he showed up anyway. I'm going to go with the class of 99. Mm-hmm. All, all the students who showed up. Harmony and Larry, who got taken out, like, they didn't have to do that. So I'm going to say my hero is the class of 99. I ditto that, uh, but I also want to give a hero's shout out to the hospital staff, because without whom (laughs) (laughs) Buffy wouldn't have gotten her eventual blood transfusion. And uh, I choose to believe that the chatty doctor finally (laughs) showed up and he's like, what do you mean you haven't given this girl blood? Step aside, Dr. Powell. (laughs) Watch a real doctor work. (laughs) He's the hero behind the scenes. He's the hero we deserve. The hero Sunnydale needs, but not the one it deserves. Oh dear. Oh um, god. So we did we shared our two hot stakes earlier in the episode. Yeah. Um we're really looking forward to digging into season 3 as a whole in our next episode. We'll share some other hot stakes from our listeners then and then we'll do Faith on Trial. Um so at this point if you're listening to this, you'll want to start thinking, okay, what are my hot stakes for the first episode of season 4, which we are looking forward to as well. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we're entering a whole new phase. I'm really excited, but I do need to take some uh, Xanax tonight to get over the heartbreak that was this episode. So many of our favorites go like to see go- say goodbye to Cordelia and Angel is a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Hopefully, there's some other forum that we can follow them to. Eh? Well, I guess we'll <laughs> have to wait and see. We'll see. We'll see. So we got a quick shout out to two new Buy Me A Coffee supporters. 
Uh, we have Mira, who's been on our Discord for a while. Thank you for supporting us, Mira. Uh, and we have a new chosen one named Destiny. And so thank you to all of our Buy Me Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, and Destiny. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you for the wrap-up next week, but then we'll see you in Season 4. Can't wait. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.